Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. The first scripture I want to look at today is found in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse uh, 10. I want to do this in the Amplified Version. For we are his workmanship, his masterwork, a work of art. Now, I've got to pause there. As I was praying, there is somebody, I'm not sure if you're in this house, I'm not sure if you're watching online. It doesn't matter if you're watching today or if you're watching a month from now. I don't care. This word is for you. You may be feeling like you're not worth it. You may be feeling like there's something there. Your identity, you're, you're feeling like it's not worthwhile living anymore. I'm going to tell you right now, you are a masterpiece. You are a work of art. If that is the only thing you get today out of this message, run with it. One word from God will change your life. Suicide is not the answer to anything. Follow God's word. Follow his message. For we are his workmanship, his masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us ahead beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we could walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Topic of today's message is living the good life. Okay? I remember back when I was about 11 years old. Now, okay, I'm going to stop here. For some of you, I know that seems like two lifetimes ago. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we were visiting some very good friends in Edmonton. And we are having supper, and we were talking about pets and whatnot from our childhood. And I made a comment that I couldn't remember my first pet. And the daughter of our friends, uh, I've known her for over 20 years, we're family, pipes up with a smirk on her face and saying, your first pet probably was the Bradosaurus. (laughs) Okay, I did not roam with the dinosaurs. (laughs) I may have a few gray hairs, but I'm not that old, okay? (laughs) Okay, they left me too, but... (laughs) Back when I was 11 years old, okay, my dad gave me a 22, semi-automatic 22 with a scope on it. Man, it was beautiful. Parents remember, 11 years old, farm boy, kid, okay. I remember this one day, dad gives me a box of shells. We go out to the, we're living in southern Alberta at the time. We go out to the community pasture that we have there and uh, we're going for the hunt. We're going on a big hunt. And he says, okay, let's go. So we're out there. We're going after the, uh, the wild animal that's found in the southern prairie provinces, that mighty gopher. It's a savage, that savage beast of an animal. You know, you'd have thought I was Elmer Fudd or somebody like that, you know, with my gun on my shoulder. Let's go get them rabbits. Uh, animals. Anyway, I have no idea to this day if I hit anything. I don't. 
I can only surmise with the full box of bullets that sooner or later one gopher was unlucky enough to run in front of my scope while I was pulling the trigger. <laughs> but that was a good time. Those are good times. A couple of years later, we'd moved up to the Grand Prairie area here. I was about 14. And we were attending a small church, so we had a small youth group. And our youth leaders decided it would be a good idea, and it was a good idea, to take the youth on a four or five day canoe trip. We went from O'Brien Bridge, or Wapti Bridge, to the town of Peace River. Okay. Now, I will admit, my parents were probably jumping for joy, saying, yes, I got rid of them for a week. But we had fun. I think I was excited to go as they were to uh, let me go. I remember one day, beautiful summer day, just enough cloud in the sky to, we're not getting sunstroke, and, and just, there's just a calm breeze, but the water was clear as glass, smooth as glass. Clear as crystal. You know that time when you're looking, you can look down through the water and the rocks look like they're only a couple inches below, and yet when you go and try and grab them, they're eight or nine feet? Well, that's the way it was. Beautiful river. Nice and wide and going, and we're going along, we're, you know, put the paddles up in the boat and just let the current, let the current take you where it wants to go. And, you know, when you get hot, you roll over and like a, you know, porpoise or whatever, you flop into the ocean or flop into the water there and cool off a little bit and then you crawl back into the boat to warm up. That was a wonderful time. I remember that trip vividly. But is that the good life? Is that what God calls the good life? Those are good moments. Those are great moments that I will remember. But is that the good life? So, to start today, like I said, I've had to narrow this down with the Holy Spirit's help to four steps to living the good life. I've picked steps. I could have picked keys. I could have picked points. I could have picked a number of different things. But I picked steps because steps implies effort. Yeah. It's not just easy. It's not just singing kumbaya and everything happens. There, there's, there's an effort to live the good life with God. So I want to start today in the Gospel of John. And I am building my case. I'm taking you on a journey. The same journey that God has taken me on, or is taking me on. And it starts in John 10, verse 11. And in the New King James Version... Now, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Foundation to live in the good life. Jesus is the good shepherd. Let's repeat after. Jesus is the good shepherd. That has to be your foundation. No matter what happens in life, that has to be your go-to. Jesus is good. And he's the good shepherd leading us wherever he takes us. Yeah. But that stands to reason, then, if there's a good shepherd, is there also a bad, bad shepherd? And that bad shepherd is actually found in uh, John 10.10. 10. Yeah. The thief, 
or Satan or the bad shepherd does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That is the bad shepherd. That's what his job is. That's what he's decided to do, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We have to make sure that we keep those two separate. We cannot say that the good shepherd is stealing because that's not him. We cannot say that the good shepherd is killing because that's not him. We cannot say the good shepherd is destroying because that's not him. That's not him. Okay? But Jesus goes on to say, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The Amplified Version says that they may have and enjoy life to the full till it overflows. Okay? So there's the difference between the good shepherd and the bad shepherd. So step number one to having a good life, the foundation, the key, Jesus is good. Jesus is the good shepherd. That has to be our foundation. Step number two, we also find that in the Gospel of John. And for that, Verse 27, chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It is interesting how loud the bad shepherd can be. He has very good sound system. You can hear him for miles to coming. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not equipped. You can't do this. You can't do that. Your upbringing is wrong. Okay? That's the bad shepherd telling you everything you cannot do. But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So step number two, be assured that we hear his voice. You do hear his voice. Okay? Let's go back up to uh, verse 2, chapter 10. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. That is the good shepherd entering the door, by the door. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep... He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Repeat after me. Jesus is my good shepherd. I hear his voice, and a stranger's voice I will not follow. When those thoughts of doubt, those thoughts of fear, the thoughts of apprehension, the thoughts of you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have the education, you don't have, you don't have, you don't have, when they come in, that's the bad shepherd. Jesus says you can do all things through Christ. Jesus says you have and you can. So, living the good life means you need to take your thoughts captive. 
You cannot just let any thought go through your mind and say, that's my thought. You don't own those thoughts until you take them. Satan's always going to try and put a thought in your mind. Steal, kill, destroy. That's it. But it's whether you accept them thoughts or not as to whose voice you're listening to. So. Some people say, some people, I've been told by some, That the Old Testament has passed away. That the Old Testament isn't relevant for us anymore because Jesus died on the cross. He came to fulfill the law and yada, 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 yada. Okay? My thinking on this is if the Old Testament passed away, why did God put it in my Bible, for one? John wrote in his, in his gospel that if the sky were a scroll and the earth or the ocean an ink, there wouldn't be enough room to tell us everything that Jesus did. Why did God give me something in my Bible that's pointless when he could have filled it up with whatever Jesus did? So the Old Testament is still valid for today. It's still a guidance. It's still... It's meant for us to go through. So our third step to live in the good life is actually found in Joshua. Joshua 1. Okay, now we got to get a little background on this. Israelites are camped by the Jordan River. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They're now prepared, or getting prepared to go across, to go into the Promised Land. Moses is dead. Joshua has been instilled in, as the uh, leader of the people. God told Moses to lay his hands on Joshua, anoint him, place him in as the leader. Joshua knew it. The people knew it. Because the people were there. Joshua remembers 40 years ago when he was in the wilderness, when he was a spy and went across to the, to the uh, promised land. For 40 years, he'd been thinking about what he had seen. He was thinking about the cities that they could conquer, the people that they could conquer, he was thinking about the orchards and the vineyards and everything else, the great produce that that country, that promised land had. And he'd been dreaming about it. And throughout those 40 years, he'd been faithful in serving God and in serving Moses. Not wanting his own way, but just serving Moses the best that he could throughout those 40 years. So we take this up in Joshua 1, verse 5. And this is God talking to Joshua. And they're in the tent. Picture them in the tent. The same tent that Moses always went to when God was talking to him. That special tent. And as far as I know, this is the first time that Joshua was able to go into that tent. And he was in there. And God said, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Just imagine, 40 years he had seen what God did with Moses. He crossed the Red Sea, water from rocks, food from heaven, multitude of other miracles upon miracle that he saw. And God just told him, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you 
as it was with Moses. Pretty impressive. There are, myself included, okay? There are many times we talk, well, if I had this perfect job, that would be my dream job over here. If I had that job, my life would be good. That would be the, that would be the good life. If I could do this, if I could do that, if I could be in ministry, if I could be an airline pilot, if I could do whatever it is, you're dreaming, well, that would be a good life. Joshua had it. Joshua was groomed for 40 years for the position that he took. I would say, with God by his side, that's pretty well classified as the perfect job, wouldn't you? With God personally speaking to you, in an audible voice, that would be a pretty well a perfect job. That would be the good life. No confusion. No wonder. We continue with our story. In verse 8, this is still God speaking. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Another major promise that God said. But the requirement was you will meditate in this book, not on. I find that interesting, that word, in. We can meditate on the, on the promises of God. Oh, yes, God, you have good promises, you have, and just be very generic. You know, you promise to heal me, you promise to help me, and all this other stuff. But when you meditate in the Word of God, you're digging for that specific verse. You're digging for that specific promise that you're putting down in, into your heart. But then it goes on to say, you will make your way prosperous. Not God. God's done it. When we meditate in it, then we will make our way, on, make our way prosperous and have great success. But there's a couple other verses here that kind of stand out. And we've got to go back to verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Well, hold on here a minute here. We, we were just told, okay, God, you said you'd, never, you'd be with me. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Just down a little bit. If I meditate in your word, I'll have great success. There's nothing about, what do I need to be strong for? Be strong and of good courage, and, yeah, for, to this, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give you. Only be strong and very courageous. That means there was an option. It said only be strong. That means you have an option to be strong or you have an option to be fearful. To follow God or not to follow God. And then we go down to verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Now, to me, that sounds like God's getting a little stern on this. God has said twice already, be strong and courageous. God's given him the promises. And then all of a sudden, we get, have I not commanded you? That's not an option. This is not just a suggestion, oh, in case you want to or whatever. It's, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
Step number three, be strong and courageous. It takes strength and it takes courage to stand on God's word. When doubt comes, when fear comes, when those little natterings come on your, on your mind and they're saying, whatever lie the enemy wants to give you, it takes strength to stand on God's word. It takes courage to stand on God's word in the face of adversity, in the face of fear. So, be strong and have good courage. But okay, here we have, we have the perfect job. We have the promise of God that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you as I was with Moses. You will have success. Is that the perfect life? What is the perfect life? What is the good life? We still haven't got it. We've got three steps to it, but we still haven't got it. I find it interesting. Now, I'm telling on myself here, which I'll do quite a bit here. Uh, <laughs> as a young boy growing up, I find it very interesting that one of the most profound songs we learn as kids and we forget as adults is Jesus Loves Me. Yeah. In a world that's starved for love right now, you look all over the world. We've got governments trying to legislate love. They're trying to define what love is and put it into law. I mean, that, that just goes, makes my head tilt as to why they even think they can do that. But we've learned that song as a child, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Okay? That is the truth. Jesus loves me. But like I said, we often forget that as an adult, when we're going through stuff, when we're maturing. Okay? There's a reason why Jesus says, you know, don't suffer the children to come unto me. There's a reason why he said, you must come to me as little children. We must believe the basics. We must believe the simple of, Jesus, you love me. And that's profound. He loves us so much, he accepts us where we're at, but he doesn't leave us where we're at which is glory. The other one, and I'm sure most of you here who have grown up in church have done the same thing. There's a, a, a chapter in the Bible that I am sure everybody has memorized. It is on plaques, it's on postcards, it's on bookmarks, it's on whatever. I've seen it all over the place. And that is actually Psalms 23. Okay? And God took me to Psalms 23, and I'm saying, what in the world is all this about? But I think Psalms 23 is an example that God put in the Bible of the good life. Okay? He gave us the example of what the good life is all about and what we are to do. So let's uh, look at Psalms 23. Now, I've got this in the Amplified version. Mine's the Amplified Classic. But I think we just have the Amplified on the screen there. The Lord is my shepherd. Who's the Lord? Jesus. We just found out earlier, Jesus is the good shepherd. So, 
Jesus, my Lord, the good shepherd, to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. Okay? Jesus is the good shepherd. He's my Lord. To feed, guide, and shield me. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender green pastures. Notice that wording. Makes me lie down. Okay? I picture myself, I mean, he's talking about sheep here. I picture myself, he's forcing me to lie down. He's forcing me in the green pastures. And they're fresh, and they're tender, and they're green. Then he leads me beside the still and restful waters. Picture that river, that river in your mind. Clear, smooth. God says he leads me beside the restful waters. Okay? That's a picture of living the good life with God there, with God helping. Then we go, he refreshes and restores my life. He refreshes myself. Times of refreshing is what he promised us in his presence when we get into his presence. Like when we go on a vacation and we spend it with him and we come back, we're refreshed. We're energized again. He refreshes and restores my life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. That is a very interesting statement right there. He leads me in righteousness. Uprightness and right standing with him. Not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. Okay? That's profound right there. We're striving to be righteous. We're striving to be holy. We're striving. We're striving. God, I know if I do this, you'll love me more. I know if I'll do this, I can be righteous. I know if I do this, I find favor. God is saying it's for his name's sake. It's not for us. Not because of anything we've done. Not because of anything we ever could do. But for him. For his name's sake. Okay? So we've got the green pastures. We've got the good shepherd leading us, feeding us, guiding us. We've got the, the uh, restored life and the path of righteousness. Our souls are refreshed. Okay? But then, verse 4. Yes. Now, why would he put yes there? It's inevitable. Okay? Yes. Though I walk through the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death. Now remember, who's the good shepherd? Who's the bad shepherd? Jesus is the good shepherd, right? Satan is the bad shepherd. Let's keep that in perspective. Let's keep our minds going on that. Okay? Now when you walk through the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death, what do you think has happened? Attack from the enemy has hit. Life is going good. You're in the green pastures. You're walking smooth. You're walking beside the still waters. And all of a sudden, the enemy comes with an attack. Now, I have learned in my experience as a pastor here that there are three main categories where the enemy attacks. 
There, there's, there's more, but the three main ones. One is finances, one is our health, and one is relationship. Steal, finances. Kill, health. Destroy family. Sounds like COVID, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Okay. Jobs have been lost. Businesses have shut down. People are struggling to make paychecks or make ends meet. Stealing. People have died from COVID. Health. People are sick mentally. Uh, the, at one point in time, the Alberta government said that our next pandemic is going to be mental health. With all the strife and the, and the stress that this COVID has caused, or caused, uh, the, the mental side of it is now going to be taken over. And then rela relationships. Lockdowns. We're not allowed to meet our parents. We're not allowed to see our kids. We're not allowed to see friends. Steal, kill, destroy. Okay? That's the enemy. But, for those of us who have the Good Shepherd, then the next part of the verse, we can be confident and say, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect, your staff to guide, they comfort me. Okay? That promise does not belong to the non-believer. That promise belongs to the believer. But that promise only belongs to the one that's strong and courageous. The one that is paying attention to his voice. The one that has made Jesus the good shepherd and is standing on that foundation. Those are the promises that God has. Rod to protect and staff to guide. They comfort. Okay? So I'm still building. I'm still building on our steps. But we're going along the journey here. We're going along the pathway. We get into verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Whoa. Now, isn't that good? We're going along life. We have the green pastures. We have the still waters. We have our trouble. We have the attack from the enemy. We get back on the other side. We get through that valley. And all of a sudden, I've got a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Okay? It says, you anoint my head with oil. I didn't have that before. I didn't have that fresh anointing before the trial, before the problem. And then it says, my cup runs over. It doesn't say, oh, my cup is half full. It runs over. And it still runs over. So what is this? Step number four. Believe that God will do something good for you. Okay? Have an expectation that God is going to do something good for you today. The valleys will come. The deep, sunless valleys will come. That's the attack of the enemy. Let's not fool ourselves. Let's not say, well, if I come to Christ, I'll never have a problem again in my life. No. Let's be real about this. Enemy will attack. Enemy does attack. 
But when we have Jesus, we have the rod to protect. And we have the staff to guide. And we have that peace, that comfort, knowing that we have that. But we're not done yet. Surely, our only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. Now that's going back into the good life. And through the length of my days, the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. The progress of living the good life. As we see here, we have the green pastures, we have the still waters, we have the refreshed soul. We get the attack from the enemy, his design, his intent, only three intents that he has, steal, kill, and destroy. Don't ever think otherwise. He did not come to make sick, he came to kill. He did not come to give you a little hardship in your finances, he came to steal them all. He didn't come to give a little strife in your family, he came to destroy your family. Okay? Don't ever get that wrong. Don't give him the benefit. Okay? So we got the green pastures, we got the still waters, we got the refreshed soul, we got the attack of the enemy. But we also have the peace of knowing that we have the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the Savior, we have the Good Shepherd. And he comes along and he protects us. He guides us. He comforts us. And once we're through the valley, and we do get through the valleys. At my age, I've gone through more than one valley. And each one I've come out of so far. Okay? So it may not feel like you can come out of a valley, but you will. You, you keep going. You'll, get, you'll come out of it. But we come out of the valley and all of a sudden, we get a new, fresh anointing. The freshness of the revelation of God's love comes to us. The, the fruitfulness of what God does in our own heart. It's a banquet table. The fruitfulness comes out. But then we get a closer and a deeper, more intimate relationship in his presence. Out of it as well. So the enemy comes to steal the enemy comes to destroy and to kill. But Jesus takes us and walks us through. Yeah. Chip Ingram, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but I will. Chick, Chip Ingram, in his book, God as He Longs for You to See Him, has a statement there. The wisdom of God is bringing about the best results. Let me find it. Yeah. Have you got it up on the uh, screen there? There we go. The wisdom of God tells us that God will bring about the best results, best possible results. Okay? The enemy takes us into the valley. The rod and the staff, they come up. And all of a sudden, we're on a new journey. We're on a new pathway, going down into the valley. But God is going to bring the best possible results by the best possible means. So whatever attack the enemy has, God is going to take the best way possible to bring you through. 
okay? Just keep that in mind. There could be a worse way of you going through this valley. If God is taking you by the best possible route, for the best possible results, for the most possible people, this one is interesting because you've got to keep your eyes off of us. When we're in the valley, we often think, oh, man, it's all about me. What about me? What about me? What about me? God is saying he's going to bring the most possible result for the longest possible time. Okay? The changes that God wants in our lives, that he's going to orchestrate in our lives, is for the longest possible time. So we can help the most possible people. And it's brought by the best possible means for the best possible results. God is still in control. God is still working. Now, some of you might be saying, well, Pastor Brad, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know the valley I'm in. You have no idea what I'm going through. Three weeks, two days, 14 hours, approximately 10 minutes ago, we got a phone call. Phone call from, from, from some very dear friends who informed us that their son was found dead. Okay? I will be honest with you. I would love to have a Bradosaurus in my backyard. If that's what it would take so this young man would not have taken his life if he would not have done what he did, okay? But there is a peace and there is a comfort. Now, I am not comparing valleys. Please don't get me wrong. Don't hear that from me. I'm not saying my valley is worse than yours. I'm not saying, no, a valley is a valley, okay? What I'm pointing towards is the rod and the staff through the valley. They have comfort. I have not shared just a simple feel-good message of hope. I've shared my life in the last three weeks, what we've gone through, what we're going through in this. The feelings are real. Please, if you're going through the valley, don't try and pretend that I have Jesus so I can't feel the pain. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. The pain is real. I've cried. I've been angry. I've been mad. I've called out. The pain is real. But the comfort and the peace is more real. Going through. So the journey he's taken me on is Jesus is the good shepherd no matter what. No matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm thinking. I do hear his voice and the voice of anger, the voice of rage, the voice of discouragement and despair the voice of how in the world are we going to help this family walk through what they're walking through. These friends that we have known for over 20 years, we've watched the kids. He was our second son. We were his second parents. How am I going to help them? How are we going to help them? But I have the comfort of the Holy Spirit, knowing that he is going to help me in this valley. He's going to help me through. 
So whatever valley you are going through, if you're going through a valley or whatever journey of life, stage of life you're in, you may be in the green pastures right now in the still waters. Great. I encourage you to get closer. Make up your mind when the times are good that Jesus is the good shepherd. That you do hear his voice. Practice hearing his voice. Practice turning off the voice of the bad guy. The voice of the bad shepherd. Turn him off. Stand on God's word. Find the promises in God's word for you specifically. Stand on them. Have courage. Have strength to stand on them. And then expect God to do something good for you. Don't expect the worst. Don't expect, oh no, here we go again. Because here we go again will come. You don't have to expect it. It's an attack from Satan. Let's not fool ourselves. But let's expect the rod and the staff when we're going through that time. And watch God bring the comfort and bring the peace. Bring the hope. I have full expectation at the end of this valley. I have no idea how long this valley is going to take. I don't. I have no idea. Never been here before. But I know at the end of the valley something good is going to happen. I know he's going to make beauty out of these ashes. I know this is going to be for the betterment for the most possible people for the longest possible time. And the road that he has taken us on is by the best, for the best possible results and by the best possible way. God did not orchestrate this attack. Satan did. But God is picking up the pieces and moving us on. I have one more scripture, and then I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come up. And that scripture is found in the Psalms. Psalm 16, verse 11. And I think this sums it up very nicely. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It starts with Jesus. It continues with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. He is the path of life. In him is the fullness of joy, the joy that everybody is looking for, the joy that the world is struggling for to find. It's in him, in his presence. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. It would be irresponsible of me not to do an altar call. I have just shared a loving father, a good shepherd, my Lord, my Savior, Jesus. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, to be honest with you, you do not have access to that peace. You do not have access to that comfort. The storm comes, you're a sinking ship. You've got no hope. So with every head bowed, I'm going to ask you, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, let's ask you to lift your hand. If you're online today and you're watching 
and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand too. And I realize I don't see you, but God does. And I realize he sees the heart, not the hand. But there is something about having to put some effort in. Having to put effort in to make a decision. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So if you're wanting to meet this Jesus, he's wanting to meet you. Thank you. Now I want us to all say a prayer. I want to lead us in a prayer. If this is your first time, pray it. Say it like you're praying it. If you've been a Christian for most of your life, look at the words. Listen to them. And remember the Good Shepherd. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I repent, I receive your cleansing and your forgiveness. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Take my life, Lord, and do something with it. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If that is your first time, welcome to the family. Online, we're in person. Praise God. Now I'm going to ask something else here. We are going to stand. The worship team is going to lead us in their final song. As they are singing, if that's your first time that you've prayed that prayer, I would like you to come up to the front here. Pastor George has some pack packages here that as a church we want to give you to start your walk with the Lord, to start this journey to fully understand and comprehend the Good Shepherd and to uh, see the life that he wants to give you. If you're online and this is the first time that you've given your life to the Lord, please contact us at the church. Victory uh, office at victorygp.com. That's the one. Okay. Contact us at the church. Give us your full uh, mailing address, and we'd be very happy to send you some information here, the same information that uh, we're giving our people here. Um, so, as we're standing... If that's your first time that you gave your life to the Lord over here. I also realized, and this is uh, my testimony again, that there are times when I've let myself look at the problem, look at the mountain, or look at the valleys, and take my eyes off of Jesus. If you realize that there's some area in your life where you've taken your eyes off of Jesus, not because you wanted to, but just the pressures of life, the valley is long and you've been in the valley for a while, I want you to come up to the frontier, to the center. Now this is between you and God. Jesus is your high priest. And like I said, 
when you put a little effort into it, it makes a bigger impact in your life. You, you, you remember it more. You've put that stake in the ground. You've said, I've done this. So if that is you, there is no judgment. I was here three weeks ago. I lived, I'm living this, what I've taught today. So if that's you, and you find yourself in this position here, just come up to the front here and spend time with God. Spend time with the Good Shepherd and let him talk to you. If you've come here and you need prayer of agreement for anything, whether it's standing in faith, finances, health, relationships, whatever, our prayer team is more than happy to pray for you. I'm asking them to stand over on this side here. If you're needing prayer of agreement, just find one of them. They will gladly pray for you and help you out. That's what family is about. We are family. We're here to help each other out, to assist each other, and to do what we can. And when one is in the valley, others come around to pick us up. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.